Welcome to Patient Stories. My name is Dr. Bertrand Liang, and these are stories about some remarkable people whom I've met through the opportunity of being a physician. Changing, yet staying true. Jesse was 20 years old when I first met him in my newly started brain tumor clinic. He was dressed in a flannel shirt and jeans with short cropped hair and the faint smell of hay that came from his canvas jacket that he wore even in the confines of the clinic examination room. His work boots seemed to have been through some mighty significant experiences, faded and scuffed like a well-worn steel demolition ball. Or as my nurse noted, the standard guy from the country surrounding the city in which our clinic was located. Jesse's chart was extensive, noting his previous diagnosis of a medulloblastoma in his posterior fossa namely a relatively rare brain tumor in the back of his brain in the cerebellum area, diagnosed when he was about four years old. He'd been followed at our university since then, although his surgeon had long retired with a similar story with the radiation oncologist who provided his initial care. His pediatric oncologist was transferring his care to me given his age. What was striking about the patient is that he'd done so well with the cancer surviving through both the therapy and the natural history of the disease, with only some minor challenges in school, such as delayed development and taking some extra time during elementary school and junior high. However, he'd done well enough to get into college and was living on campus in that relatively independent way that college transitions young adults to older adults and the gradually responsibility it entails. Although 20, Jesse was a freshman albeit a second semester one, but even so, quite a story given his previous diagnosis as well as his treatment. Hello, doctor. Jesse greeted me with a friendly demeanor as I walked into the room to speak with him. I could tell he had a bit of a focusing problem, although he stood up steadily and gradually moved his hand in an outstretched manner to shake mine. What was interesting was that this movement was not only slow, but it varied in speed, both as his hand moved towards mine and when withdrawing it, like a motor with variable inputs of power. Similarly, the grip he used in his handshake was inconsistent. It literally changed in intensity several times during our brief clasp, even when the patient let go. But there were no wildly swinging movements or frank discoordination often seen in patients with diseases of the cerebellum. Jesse sat down, crossed his legs, and looked at me intently. Jesse, I've gone through your chart, and it looks like you've been followed over in pediatric oncology for your past tumor, I began, setting the stage. From the referral, it seems as if you're being referred here because of your age, and probably because it's more convenient for you to get your care here on campus than off. Is that right? I queried, expecting the usual affirmation when care was being transferred. Well, doctor, yes and no, said the patient. I raised my eyes from my scribbling on my sheet of paper. Oh, what else can I help you with? Well, my other doctor said that you might be able to, well, not just follow my tumor, but look at the problem I have with my hands, mostly on my right. It just seems I can't make it work like I want. You know, it just doesn't want to do what I want it to do. I stopped, 
looked up and consciously looked at Jesse's right hand. Well, how about your writing? How's your writing? I asked, somewhat intrigued, given my initial observations of the patient. I'm left-handed. Had to be, you know. When they took out my tumor, my mom told me everything went to the other side. I don't know if I was left-handed to begin with, but I'm sure left-handed now. Okay, Jesse, but what's the problem with the right? Are you weak? Can you feel the hand okay? Jesse raised both his hands in front of him. His left hand came up smoothly, in control, but his right was more jerky and didn't stay very still adjacent to the outstressed left hand. See, it just doesn't stay the way I want. I always have to hold it up with my left hand. Makes catching a baseball real hard, you know? I nodded, acknowledging the imagery. Since we'd started his examination, we finished it off. I noted not only the reaching and grasping issues, but also some difficulties following a moving object with his eyes, and some impersistence of gaze, with his eyes moving horizontally for just a brief moment when asked to stare at an object. But other than that, his examination was surprisingly normal, pointing out the resiliency of the body when insulted at a very young age. I told Jesse of my exam findings and that these were the things that often localized to a brain structure called the cerebellum, which was, as I've noted previously, located in the back of his brain. That's where my tumor was, right? He noted with a hint of annoyance. Yes, more than likely. Well, how come my pediatrician and oncologist never told me that, you know, about my hand? I got the impression that I was just a klutz. I could feel Jesse's words, no doubt pain he must have felt, being different because of his cancer. The excuses people did and didn't make for him physically. The challenges of not really belonging due to the deficiencies on the intellectual side and the physical side from school groups and the inherent loneliness that could engender. Jesse, sometimes it just takes a specialist to know these things, I said gently. I'm sorry that your other doctors couldn't help you with those issues, but we can work together and I'll answer as many questions as I can about your condition. After a moment of silence, Jesse noted to me that he was pre-med and wanted to go to medical school. He really wanted to be a surgeon for kids and was really worried that this, as he termed it, handicap would prevent him from achieving his goals. I just want to help people like other people help me, he noted, looking up. I just don't know if I can do it with a jumpy right hand and arm. He slumped slightly in his seat, but the fire in his eyes was still there. Like most people in medicine, I admire the goals and aspirations of my patients who have overcome significant hurdles to get where they are today. Being a patient is hard, to say the least, and Being one with such a profound disease, but with hopes and dreams for a better tomorrow, is even tougher. Jesse could have easily taken a different path, acquiescing to his limitations, not pushing himself, even to the point of avoiding a college education. Instead, he aspired to be something more, to provide a chance for those like him who had struck adversity early in life and gotten around it. Jesse, let me tell you about a woman I know, I said, 
trying not to appear either pedantic nor condescending. She was born with spina bifida, a condition of the spinal cord that causes all sorts of muscle and nervous system problems. She's always been short, only four foot nine inches tall, and that's when she's maximally stretching. And because her legs weren't the same height, she had to walk around with a platform on one of her shoes. So you kind of knew when she was coming, I noted fondly. I worked with this woman when I was at the University of Michigan. She went to Yale for her undergraduate degree, to Columbia for medical school, which is where she also did her neurosurgery training, I said flatly without emphasis. Jessie's eyes grew wide with interest and awe, and she operates on kids with brain tumors and other neurosurgical problems. She is one of the smartest, most inspirational people I've ever known, and a really nice person. The latter is certainly the most important, I noted wryly and with a smile. Her name is Corinne Morasco, and she's slated to become the first neurosurgery department chair in the United States. And she's a woman with, as you call it, handicaps. But I don't think that's kept her down. Jesse opened his mouth, then closed it again, looking down. As he looked up, I saw that fire in his eyes again, burning, I would think, even more fervently than before. I'm going to look this doctor up for sure, he said, with admiration in his voice. Well, look up spina bifida as well, I added. See what she needed to overcome. Yes, said Jesse, in his voice trailing. Thanks, doctor. This has been so helpful. We arranged for Jesse to go to both physical and occupational therapy and had him follow up with some of the expert rehabilitation doctors whom I knew, understanding that he had a more chronic condition, but one which might be aided if we started helping him adapt to the challenges at hand, literally and figuratively. I followed Jesse for some time after that and got to know him as a tenacious and hardworking, highly focused individual. I know that he eventually did get into medical school, as one of the center directors let me know that, since he knew that Jesse was one of my patients. I knew that he'd go into whatever field suited him the best, regardless of his, as he said it, jumpy arm condition. The last time I saw him, he was wearing a bit of a different outfit than when I initially saw him, a button-down shirt, a loose cotton sweater, and khakis. However, he still wore those scuffed-up work boots that I'd seen at our initial encounter. I guess one always has to have one thing that we keep close to home to stay genuine to ourselves, even if it is different than what everyone else is doing. Thank you for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy and find peace.